Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented on the Top Football Club channel and the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on Sunday, November 12th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, Arsenal and Liverpool cruise, Spurs are starting to Spurs, and United squeak by Luton at home. But first, we have our game of the season. Chelsea 4, Man United 4. What an incredible match. Before we get to that, please remember, like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. Without you, we can't grow. And we welcome all our friends from Sports with Friends. Seth Everett was a man and a gent. This is my show. Please like, share, and subscribe. It. We love you. We thank you. We enjoy it. Okay, we will go directly to Chelsea 4. Manchester City 4. <gasps> what a game it was. What fun it was. I mean, listen, I've, I've got marks on my face from... From banging into my own face and banging into things. I don't know. Uh, just a fun game. I really thought that, you know, the history was with with City. Chelsea hadn't scored a goal against Manchester City since the Champions League final. And that was the one goal by Havertz. And since, they've been blanked in every game since. And so I thought, this should be not too hard. I don't think Chelsea will score. And here we have Chelsea scoring four goals. What I did not take into account was the great and powerful Cole Palmer who helped this game have a bit more juice. I think we have been talking about it. I have been talking about Chelsea improving and the idea that Pochettino would grow this team and that they would get better and better and better. And I think we're finally seeing it. The Spurs game showed a lot of fight. This game showed more. I think the the winning against a nine-man Spurs really relayed, relayed sort of what was really happening here. But I think for Chelsea, this is a massive win. This is a game where they can say to themselves and their young squad, we went toe-to-toe with Manchester City and got a draw and could have won. Uh, I think this result, I'm fair, I'm honest, is fair. Uh, I thought, you know, 4-4 made sense. I think Cole Palmer made sense. Reese James was fantastic. Going into this game, everyone was talking about Doku, Doku, Doku after he had the great game against um, against Bournemouth. But Reese James said, not so fast, my friend. I am an international level fullback. I have made Chelsea run before. And it was his assist to Raheem Sterling that let a lot of this game go. But let us get into the individual scores just so we can have a little bit of context. The game starts. The first goal comes from Holland on a penalty. Cucurella pulls him. There was a bit of wrestling. I wouldn't have wanted this to be a penalty, but it was called on the field and not overturned. I prefer that. The ref called it. It was a penalty. That's fine. We went to VAR. It didn't ruin everything. But then right after that, Thiago Silva on the corner on 39, the oldest scoring player in the Premier League in a few years, scores a goal. It's 1-1. It's game on. We're all enjoying ourselves. Then Raheem Sterling and the aforementioned Reese James on the break. Raheem Sterling scores one of those city goals that he scores. The cross, hard cross across the front of goal. Boom. There's Sterling. There was a little bit of mistake by Guardiola. He had a tough game, Guardiola. 
I have to say. Raheem Sterling was one of the better players on the pitch. He half celebrates, doesn't know what to do. But at this point, we are up for Chelsea. Then, just before the break, we do get Manuel Akanji. He's free, and we go in at halftime at 2-2 on another corner. I don't know what Chelsea were doing. They didn't mark on the corner. I don't know what City were doing. They didn't mark Thiago Silva on the corner. So we got two mistakes. We've got a penalty. We got Raheem Sterling. Ba, 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 ba. This game was great. So we go into the next half. Then her Arling Holland on a really nice move by City, I have to say. A lot of good pick-pick passes that were fantastic. Alvarez, Foden, all involved. Holland smashes himself into the goal and scores with his ball sack. Of course, we have to review it. It didn't, wasn't a handball. It was never a handball. Then in the second half, Chelsea growing into this game, doing much, much, much better. They are looking good. Nicholas Jackson puts them up again, up 3-2 on a Nicholas Jackson goal. Uh, a really good, nice, hard shot. He, I don't remember who shot. It was, it was Gallagher who took the shot, I think. And Jackson, their man on the spot, puts it in. They're up 3-2. Up three two, no. What am I getting wrong here? Let's see. Hold on. City go up one, then Chelsea go up two one. City are up two. They're up three two. Then it's leveled on eighty six on sixty. Then they're up. Rodri puts City ahead somewhere in this game. Wait a minute. Why am I missing something? Anyway. It goes to 4-3 four, th four, by Hot Rodri on 86. Come at the man. Come at the moment. Uh, we feel like this is City. They get things done. But late in the game, Broya comes on. It's continual fight. Um, and Cole Palmer puts the penalty away. And we end at 4-4. Four, four. Let me make sure I get this right. City went up by Holland. Then Silva. Then Chelsea are up on the Raheem Sterling goal. It's level on two from Akanji. Holland puts City up 3-2. And then the changes come in on 64. Two changes. Gusto. It's Gusto's shot that I think Jackson follows up. Jackson scores on 67. It's 3-3. Then on 86, it's Rodri. And then we have the draw on 95. Sorry to get that wrong, but so much went on, so many uh, wild things. There was great football played. There was mistake-filled football played. We didn't have to talk about VAR, and I think that this was just a great game and a maturing game for Chelsea. Um, Pep didn't seem too upset. It's going to Stamford Bridge and getting a draw. I think that this had been coming for Chelsea. They had been growing. They had been getting there. Raheem Sterling had been their best player all season. Reese James was there. Cucurella, who had been much maligned by the Chelsea faithful early in the first half, most of the first 20 minutes of the game, was really in trouble, but he did come to grips with the game, and everyone was playing. Guys were dropping deep. Wingers were helping out. Raheem Sterling came to help Cucurella uh, against Foden uh, a lot, and I think that made a difference. Um, you saw Cole Palmer coming in deep to help um, Reese James against Doku and actually had to defend him on his own a couple of times. I thought Diasi for Chelsea was good. Even though there was four goals in this game, a lot of different players had good results. Really fun and exciting game. Uh, I really love, I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys know this about me. 
but I'm deeply, deeply in love with uh, Connor Gallagher. Um, <laughs> Julian Alvarez. Yes, we love Julian Alvarez. Thank you, Jose Fa of Americana. Uh, Julian Alvarez is fantastic. He does make City go. He's one of the players that I thought made a difference for City in this game. So we have to be fair to him as well. Uh, always makes a difference for City in almost every game he plays. But this was more about a coming of age for Chelsea, a moment of growth for Chelsea, um, a moment for Pochettino to start to put his stamp on his team. They worked hard. They pressed when they were supposed to. Second half was about possession. Although, don't get me wrong, City were doing their City things and Foden was having a good time against Cucurella, but they held firm and um, didn't wilt in any of those moments. This was the first game with four lead ties since 2005 where the teams tied each other up. It was just a fantastic, great game that I'm bummed out about, and it brings the Premier League even tighter. We'll go through the table later on, but this was really about uh, Chelsea for me, um, really showing where they are, really showing that the underlying numbers that I keep talking about are real. Uh, they just needed to have those goals scored. Um, you know, seeing seeing Jackson get his goal again uh, really makes a difference for the team. Uh, Palmer makes this team a lot more dangerous. He gives them an outlet. He gives them creativity when they're moving with the ball. And when Sterling is in this kind of mood, he's difficult. So I don't think that this is a surprise. I think what's funny about it is um, City are so good that their best two opponents in Arsenal and Chelsea are made up of players that used to be on City. So Raheem Sterling and Palmer are probably Chelsea's two best players. And then for Arsenal, not the two best, but um, Zinchenko really makes it, and, and Gabriel Jesus make a difference for Arsenal. So kind of funny that those two players and those two clubs uh, do make the difference for uh, for these two teams. But uh, for City, um, this is just another blip in the road, another moment of growth, uh, another sort of pattern of, hey, we tried Doku. Doku had a hard time against Reese James. Reese James is just another level of fullback, a top, top level fullback who doesn't allow for the shit that Doku does to get him down. He would push him off the ball. He's strong enough to battle with Doku. He didn't fall for the tricks and end up getting gone behind. Uh, he handled him really well. And Doku ended up being the first sub. He came off uh, on 59 for Jack Grealish. Grealish didn't do too much. It was just a different look that City can then employ uh, within the context of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, later on in the game, Kovacic came on for Alvarez. All these players sort of did so much running. I think the changes that Chelsea made really did make a change with James and Enzo Fernandez coming off. Mudrik was involved in, in the Nicholas Jackson goal. He created it running past um, and getting into the final third, creating the action that 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 ended up being the goal. Um, but this was really City just not being able to control a game. I think when City played Doku and Foden, they're both really direct and there's less control. Uh, control meaning boring, but this game was up and down, and without that sort of holder along with Rodri, Rodri did not have a great goal game despite the goal he scored. Without having 
John Stone's in there, there was a little less control. And I think that's what Pep will take from this game. You probably won't see uh, Rodri by himself without someone to control in there, like a Rico Lewis, who's a control player, like a Kovacic, who's a control player. I think this will be one of these games where Pep said, oh, I'll try to release the handbrake and go, oh, no, 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 no. We're not ready to play up and down uh, yet. We need more control in our games. And that's what he'll do. Uh, I didn't like that Diaz went to ground on Broya, who drew the penalty for the 4-4. Um, you know, it wasn't a great City performance. They normally don't give up this much, but, you know, it, it was fun anyway. Holland was great. Uh, did drop in and sort of link up play now and again. Um, but, you know, I don't think that Ederson was particularly good. He had some problems. Uh, there was a really great save by Sanchez against Holland um, when he went in on goal that could have been a goal that was put away. So City had their chances and, you know, as is as is the case with City when they drop points, something could have happened that they didn't do. But this, again, is about Chelsea, about Pochettino, about them growing, about Chelsea taking a step forward where I think they will finish in the top half or maybe even a European place by the second half of the season. I just think that the team will grow. And this is the sort of moment that the team grows. In. Okay, we have given a lot to this game, but let us go through the Premier League scores and then we will jump around. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, early on Saturday morning, Wolves 2, Tottenham 1. Oh no, Tottenham give up two goals in extra time and they are lost two in a row. Arsenal 3, Burnley 1. Arsenal just take care of Burnley. Uh, my buy company is going to get fired. But Kolyosho was good. Then another great game, another fantastic game. Crystal Palace 2, Everton 3. Oh my God, Decore. Everton scoring goals. I love it. United 1, Luton 1. The less talked about this game, the better. This was not a good game. Lindelof gets the goal. United are now at this level. When they win 1-0 versus Luton, that's considered a good result. And then the shocking result of the week of Saturday, Bournemouth 2, Newcastle 1, Newcastle 0. Newcastle didn't show up. It was terrible. Then the Unai Emery Army continues. Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. They're cruising. Brighton still winless in 5. They draw 1-1 after Dahoud got sent off for a stamp. Liverpool cruise. Mo Salah on 200 goals joins uh, Thierry Henry and um, Alan Shearer on 200 along with Aguero. They win 3-0 versus Brentford. Brentford were up for it in the first half. Second half, they sort of let go of the rope. Then, Tam 3, Nottingham Forest 2, another barn burner, very similar to the Everton-Crystal Palace game, but West Ham get it done, and the final game of the day was the 4-4 that we just talked about. And now we will go to Arsenal, where uh, Arsenal won easily. Uh, Trossard with the goal, uh, Saliba with one, Zinchenko on an incredible karate kid, Daniel San Chop, which was amazing. Uh, Brownhill got one for them. And the reason why I go to Arsenal first is because they are the main, uh, they are part of the pack. Uh, they are coming through. Er, this game was 1-1 on 54, but Arsenal do pill it out, even though Vieira did get sent off late in the second half. Um, good, good match. Saliba was strong. Uh, Arsenal back off the schneid. Although, you know, they did show their fight. They did show what they're about. 
Uh, Saliba was just wide open in the front post. Burnley are awful, uh, giving up two basically poor goals um, on set pieces despite the Trossard goal where he almost broke his arm running into the post. Uh, but Arsenal in really good shape there. Uh, just to get a sense of the table, Arsenal, Arsenal and Liverpool are tied on 27, right behind Manchester City, who are on 28. And we go to Spurs, who are on 26. They lose 2-1 to the great and powerful Gary O'Neill's Spurs. Uh, Gary O'Neill's Wolves. Uh, the game started really well for Spurs. They are without their entire defense. They had to change three players. In comes Dyer. In comes Davies. In comes um, Emerson Royale. Not a great group. Replacing Udogi, Van de Ven, and Romero. And, you know, it looks good at first. The goal from Brendan Johnson was fantastic. Pedro Perro on the overlap. And they're off and running. Spurs looking good. They got their one goal lead. And we know about Wolves. They can't score. <laughs> and they huffed and they puffed and they huffed and they puffed. And they were able to finally, at the end of the match, after pouring on 17 shots, trying to get the goals, winning the XG battle, Gary O'Neill makes the changes late in the game. Tommy Doyle came on. Tommy Doyle and Sarabia come on. And it's Sarabia who scores the first goal on a cross that he. A three-quarter cross. He takes the touch and then he smash it in the top bins. Then you're like, okay, it's one-one game on. Spurs are out of gas. They're still playing the high line. Eric Dyer and Hoiberg fall asleep for the 97-minute winner. Um, that Lamina scored, also assisted by Sarabia. A lot of quick thinking. Wolves and Gary O'Neill. The last two goals are all about quick restarts. O'Neill gets it in on the throw-in that Sarabia then en ends up putting in. And then there's another quick restart to get Mario Lamina going. And Spurs just seem to not really be ready to see out a game. And I think that's what they'll lament in this game is just, are they ready to win games like this? Uh, they're still playing the high line. They don't have the depth to deal. They really didn't create anything at all. Now, to be fair to them, you know, they did have possession, but only six shots for... Postacoglu Spurs um, son just never got the ball. There was no Madison there to get him the ball. Uh, Hoiberg just couldn't do the job. I was surprised we didn't see. Um, let me just make sure I, I got the lineups right. Yeah, it's Hoiberg Basuma. Yeah, it's Hoi it's 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 still Hoiberg Basuma and Sar. That's a defensive three, and I didn't see. I would have liked to have seen. Maybe Los Celso in there earlier instead of Saar. Maybe get someone to try and be the creative linchpin instead of Hoiberg, Basuma, and Saar. That's a defensive three. Although Saar was playing further forward, he's no Madison. At least Los Celso would have run with the ball, tried to get into space. Maybe, maybe Betancourt is the more offensive player. I'm not sure. But that link-up play that we've been seeing that was getting the ball to Sun wasn't there without Madison. That freedom that Madison had. Uh, just not there. And then, of course, I mean, listen, we all know that I love me some Gary O'Neill. The man is just a winner. <laughs> uh, and he gets the 2-1 win with Spurs. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Just, I just love it. I just, I'm so, I kind of like to get on these hills and kind of think about 
what it means. And for with Gary O'Neill, it's just one of these guys that it's just like, hey, he's clearly capable. He clearly knows his football. Um, you know, he was an assistant and he just got the the Bournemouth job after remember Scott Parker just bolts after the nine nil. He's like, this team's terrible and they're they're all gonna go down. He takes a team in Bournemouth that really had no business staying up. Their underlying numbers were terrible. Uh, and they they get bought by a new owner, and the new owner is like, I don't like what I saw and fires him. And then he takes another opportunity where Lopetegui just quits Wolves the week before the season starts, and Gary O'Neill grabs this team, and he's got Wolves playing well and dealing with the issues of not scoring by being creative and and making Huang and and Cunha and all those players. He even already lost Nunez, and he's got this team playing. They're in 12th place. They're ahead of Crystal Palace. So. Good for Gary O'Neill. I really like what he's doing, uh, and he's in good shape. Uh, on the Spurs side, listen, they lost two games in a row. I think any Tottenham Hotspur fan, if you told them by week 12 they would be 8-2-2 two and two on 26 points, they'd be over the moon. Uh, I feel like the nine-man game was a little bit of an anomaly. Did they get too much credit for being heroic at 9-0? Maybe, maybe. But this game was a pure loss. Like they just don't have the depth to deal with mistakes like uh, Eric Dyer being in defense, Ben Davies being in defense. They're just not good enough. Uh, they can't get Van de Ven and and Madison back soon enough. It looks like they'll both be out until January, which is way, 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 way too long for them. Uh, they're going to have to find a way forward. Um, Somehow, some way, I'm not sure what they do there. Uh, they will get there, but right now, they're going to struggle. Um, Postacoglu is smart. Postacoglu is clever. He has shown he can handle these things, but I do wonder how Spurs deal. I think they've got to tread water, maybe play 500, maybe play instead of two points per game, maybe play at a one and a half point per game uh, pace see if the next 10 games they can get not 20 points, but 15. That will be tough. It'll suck. But I think that's reasonable for Spurs in this run where they're going to lose Madison, who is this, the signing of the season. And so um, they move forward without their talisman, without their defenders, without their group being intact. And they're going to have to deal with that. And we're going to find out about Postacoglu uh, really quickly and really soon. So exciting stuff there. Um, let's go to Liverpool. Just because we want to touch on the big teams, Liverpool cruised, uh, looking good. Mo Salah with two goals. Uh, Darwin Nunez didn't get a chance to miss anything this time, but he did set up uh, Salah. Uh, Jota, of course, with an amazing edge-of-the-box goal for the 3-0 win. This looks like it was easy, but I think that, to be fair to... Um, to be fair to Brentford, they played hard. They did push uh, and did have chances in Buemo with a couple of chances. Liverpool just were clinical. Ten shots on target, which is a ton uh, to Brentford three. But they were close on shots. This was, from a stat perspective, a close game. And I think that the difference is one team has Mo Salah and Jogo Jota, and one doesn't. Uh, and Buemo and Wesa were not able to affect the game the way Salah was. He was free. He headed a goal in. One was the classic cut in. Left foot, far post, fired in. No problem. Uh, set up by Nunez on 39. Um, and then 
post us. Timikas was also a cross that just somehow nobody marked. <laughs> nobody marked Salah. And then by then it was it was pretty easy. So uh, a good game. I think Jurgen Klopp made the good point that, hey, this is about as tough. Brentford are about a tough as tough as a team as you can play who is not sort of have world-class players. They know who they are. They know what they do. And for Thomas Frank, you know, going to Anfield and getting anything is a miracle, really. For anyone. City, it'll be a miracle. But Liverpool's problems are not at home. They're away from home. Uh, they had some defensive lapses that I think any Liverpool fan would admit are troublesome. I don't think McAllister at the six works. Um, Endo was there. It was a little bit better, but they're still a little bit open when they play. Uh, you know, this was Slobosai. This was Endo, Slobosai, and uh, Gakbo up front. So a little bit different this time, but, you know, it's still, there's still a little bit of defensive, um, little defensive problems that I think they'll admit are there. Um, they still are that in that holding midfielder role. I'm sure they'd love to have someone like Paulinha who would shut this thing down. Um, replacing Fabinho at peak Fabinho is really hard. This is the position in world football that is most difficult to replace. Uh, even though it sounds easy, it's not. Either the guy is too defensive and can't create anything, or the guy is attacking and just lets people run past him. To get that balance of a Rodri, of a Thiago, of a Fabinho, of a Conte is really, really hard. And I think ultimately it will be the downfall of uh, Liverpool in terms of winning the title. They're going to be close. I think they're really, really good. They're not bad by any means. Um, but that's really the issue. And then the other thing I took from this game was Van Dyke is back. Van Dyke looks really strong. He's not making mistakes. I saw him show uh, Embuemo off, and he's got his glare back. Like, I'm the best defendant here, and I'm going to look at my teammates and say, hey, what are you doing? Uh, especially with Tim, uh, Costa Simicas. <laughs> it's not a great defender. I mean, we know about Alexander Arnold. That's fine. But um, he was given the glare to everybody, and and Becker made and and Allison made some some good saves as well. So I I don't think that Brentford should feel bad about this result. They played good. They just didn't weren't able to get it done. Okay. All right. Uh, where do I got to go next? We talked Arsenal, we talked Liverpool, both cruising. We talked Spurs, starting to Spurs. I give them still a good chance. Top four would be a, a really great performance. Um, I suppose the less I have to talk about United, the better. Uh, I only like to talk about United when they lose because it's my favorite thing to do. It looks like the G Sir Jim Radcliffe $1.5 billion 25% stake takeover is getting super duper duper close. Uh, it's not quite there yet but it's coming soon. So uh, everyone should be getting their CVs and their resumes ready because you're all going to get fired. Uh, even you, Ten Hag. You might be on the uh, hot seat as well. But according to the form guide, United are the hottest team in the division, <laughs> uh, winning their most recent games uh, in the league, which just sounds, just feels just completely ridiculous because <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, right now. It's just laughable. Uh, they're up to sixth. They're the only team in the top 10 that's at a minus. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's where they are. Uh, but they do win. They get the goal from Lindelof and, you know, they get, 
couple of really good chances. I mean, right now, Rashford can't buy goals. Hoyland can't buy goals. I do like what I see from Holland. Hoyland. Uh, again, he'll get there. He's he's good enough to get there. Uh, let's see. Yeah, last... Where are United's results? Man, I'm trying... Oh, here we go. Let me just get United's results, just so we can... So I can, you know, say that I was fair to United. So United's last five uh, are 1-0 against Luton, 1-0 against Fulham, lost 3-0 to City. That was a real disaster. Then the 2-1 against Sheffield, and they beat Brentford 2-1. Uh, all, all pretty lucky results. But, hey, the points matter. This is the Ten Hag way. <laughs> they just kind of hang on and, and look good. Mind you, everyone around them has been losing, losing so uh, they've got four wins out of five, uh, even though that Champions League game against Copenhagen makes it seem worse. So they've got, you know, wins matter. That's 12 points. Uh, whereas Villa have three, six, nine, ten, uh, twelve for Spurs, same as same as United. Uh, no, no, no. Twelve. Oh no, uh, Spurs only got nine. Uh, Arsenal with nine, ten. Uh, Liverpool with nine, ten, eleven. City with nine, ten. So Spurs. I mean United with the four wins out of five, twelve points. So they are winning. <laughs> the form table and do sit in six so for all that doom and gloom they do sit in six but they have the most losses in the top 10 with five tied with west ham uh because they have no draws and they have a negative goal difference the worst out of the top 10 as well at minus three so just to give you a sense of like they are pulling shit out of their ass but this is the same thing ten hog did last year uh where united's underlying numbers were really bad but they were getting results. So there's still a good team in there because there's really, really talented players. You expect Rashford will get better. Uh, there's no way he's only going to have one goal. So maybe he'll go on a run and pick the team up. You expect Hoyland to do better. Hopefully their defense will come in. You'll have Luke Shaw come back. They're just hanging on, and maybe they'll be better in the second half. But to have five losses in 12, but that goes along with having seven wins. So. Um, <laughs> Ask, ask, ask Liverpool fans about draws. You don't want draws. Just win and lose. Who cares about draws? Uh, but they still can't score. They are on 13 goals scored, yet they have the eight, the seven wins. No one is even the next closest in the top 10 with, with United. They're all over 21. So United have seven goals scored less than their nearest sort of rivals nearby. It's what they're doing is magic. It's not sustainable, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, and, you know, I think they'll get found out soon enough. But, hey, United, you can go the weekend without feeling like shit because uh, you played like shit, but you're where you are. Uh, for Luton, they're playing the long game. They're not giving up goals. They're going to play the, um, it might be tied at the end. They're not giving up a lot. I think Luton played pretty well. Uh, they're the only ones who know who they are in the relegation zone and are like, hey, we are not going to lose because we stink. We're not going to lose. I'm sorry. We're not going to get blown out. We're just going to lose by playing the way we play. Um, I do think that it's time to sort of talk to the other group uh, of teams that would be Newcastle, Aston Villa, and Brighton. Uh, let's start with Newcastle. 
Um, Chris covered this game really, really well. He did a watch along. He did a post match. You know, all the magpies who watch the show, uh, please subscribe to Chris's show if you're on the Top FC TV. Check it out. Uh, Chris is is the American Magpie. That's his other channel. Uh, this was a bad performance by Newcastle. Just awful. Giving up the two goals to Solanke. They really didn't do much. Uh, had the ball. Uh, five shots on target. Gave up 10 shots on target to Bournemouth. This was the best defense in the league last year. And I think it's starting a little bit to catch up with um, with Newcastle. Just LaSalle's and Hall and Shard. That's their championship defense. Uh, Trippier was was not able to affect the game. Miley was in the midfield with Longstaff and Willock. That's not a normal group. And then up front is Joe Linton, Anthony, and Almiron. So no backup, um, no Callum Wilson. So a midweek game. It's just starting to come off the rails a little bit in terms of depth for Newcastle. But you can't play this bad. I don't care. You know, you can lose games. It's okay. Uh, like Chris said, if you watch his show, you can lose games. It's really not a big deal to lose games. You can't lose like this. and You can't lose like this to Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth are in the relegation struggle. They have not played particularly badly either, even though they um, they weren't quite there. They do have Solanke, who's good for goals. They do have Billing, who I think is a good uh, midfielder. And they were able to get it done. Um, Semeno caused havoc to Newcastle. Uh, they really had a hard, hard time with this game. Lloyd Kelly is on the watch of many teams. Players are looking for him. They want to buy him. Lloyd Kelly is a player. If you watch the great and powerful Bournemouth, keep an eye on Lloyd Kelly. He's probably their best player. Uh, but Semenyo was terrorizing, <laughs> was terrorizing the team uh, a lot. And Solanke is a good finisher. And so a really bad loss for Newcastle. But on the other side, for Iriola, listen, he'll take it. They got two wins in a row. Uh, Iriola is now safe. He's got Bournemouth out of the relegation zone, and he is now in that group of four, that of three of those four three that uh, of those four teams at the bottom: Luton, Sheffield, Burnley. Uh, Bournemouth are now out of that group. <laughs> They're on nine. Luton on six. Sheffield on five after their draw and Burnley on one. So uh, really doing well there. Um, Sheffield got the draw against the great and powerful Deserbies. Uh, Brighton just still winless in five. Um, Adingra's goal is something to behold. So Brighton are up. They're doing fine. They're doing Brighton things. They're dominating the game. They've got all the shots. They're doing everything they're supposed to do. But Sheffield's one shot on target went in. Uh, and they leveled the game uh, on a, sorry, on an own goal by Webster. It, it was close. I mean, it was like one of those uh, there at the same time, just after the red, uh, Sheffield leveled. And the last 10 minutes of the game, I would say Brighton were holding on. So uh, Fatih started up top, which was good to see. But um, Brighton not able to sustain not able to sustain where they were. Uh, they're just not putting those games together that you'd expect. So uh, they go from their last five results are 1-1 draws. They won one against Sheffield, won one against 
Everton 1-1 against Fulham, and then Man City beat them, and then the 2-2 against Liverpool. So they're getting in a run of draws, but you know those win those three draws, you'd rather win two of them and lose one uh, because they are only worth that's only three points. One, two, three. So they're hanging in there. They're just not firing and scoring goals the way they'd like to. I think secretly Danny Welbeck was a really important player. As much as I love Ferguson and he's more of a finisher uh, in terms of linking play and making that build up work a lot better. You know, Danny Welbeck was really good for them last season and they're just having a hard time adjusting to uh, Thursday, Sunday. They did beat Ajax, but then again, everyone's beating Ajax. So they're improving in Europe, but they're not able to get the wins they want in the league. And they're dropping a little bit out of that conversation for Europe sitting now in eighth on 19 uh, United leapfrogging them after all their wins. Um, so a little bit of trouble there with a great and powerful um, uh, Brighton. But on the other hand, the flip side of that, Aston Villa pull a little bit closer to the top four with another win. They have an easy stroll against Fulham, uh, getting their guys in gear. They were top scorers in the league until United until City scored four today. So they're second on 29. They're a plus 12. Villa and Emery doing well. Uh, McGinn with a goal. Um, and and Ollie Watkins, their boys firing on the way you'd expect. Just a good, good, good squad. Um, not Bailey, but who's the other guy that they have? They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. Sorry. Um, McGinn, Watkins, Anthony Robinson with an own goal, but that was forced. Um, so they win 3-1, and they're cruising. Oh, Leon Bailey with the assist for Watkins. Just a really good, good uh, result. Um, you know, way positive VAR call. Looked like there was going to be a handball on Castagna in that game, but VAR showed the ball, hit him in the face. So they didn't give it. Uh, thank God. I still hate VAR. I would have rather they just give him a penalty and keep going the ball hit him in the face and his arm was over his head it looked like a penalty so that's why they gave it so uh there is that but you know arson villa roll on they're in that group uh this is going to be a tough tough season just a lot of fight i want to go to two other games i think there's only two other games left these two three two games let's start with uh west ham versus nottingham forest what a match luis paqueta starts the scoring then Forest go up in this game. They're up 2-1 on a goal by Awani, who is just a beast, even though there's guys lying all over the ground. Quick restart, not happy on their side. Elanga puts them up, set up by Olina, but then come Jareth Bowen on the cross, set up by who else? JWP, James Wilpress with two assists. Socek, both on set pieces. And Forrest just got to get better on these set pieces. I know it's West Ham. I know it's tough. But they are there to try and do this. You made all these subs to try and get this game over the line, and it did not work this time. Uh, and uh, West Ham pull it out. West Ham tough at home, but they've got game changers in Bowen. He's so, so good. The thing is with West Ham, they know exactly who they are. Exactly who they are. Algerd and Zuma, strong. Edison, Emerson and Kufal. Strong, Ward-Prowse, Paqueta, Kudos, Alvarez, Suchek with Jared Bowen up front. They finally figured out how they can move off from uh, Mikel Antonio, who I think we all love, 
But, uh, you know, it's just time. He's not, he's 34 years old and not scoring goals. So now Jared Bowen becomes the nine, and they're a much more mobile, fluid team like that. Really allows Paqueta and Bowen to, to link up together and gives them a bit more creativity along with the James Ward-Prowse sort of like two styles of play. They can hit you on the break, and when they're in the attacking third and they get uh, fouls and free kicks in your in your zone, they're deadly because of Zuma, because of Ward-Prowse, because of Suchek. They've just got a really, really good team. I think, frankly, West Ham fans probably feel like they have a better team than the ones that won the trophy now. I think it makes a little bit more sense now. So, But we'll see there. And then for Forrest, this is just another game where they were up and they throw it away. Uh, I know they'd won a game away from home uh, last week, but this is the type of game that if they end up in a relegation battle, which I don't think they will, they're too good, um, they're going to kick themselves over. Because, frankly, there's been too many games that they've thrown things away. Uh, if you think about... Um, oh, wait, what? What happened? I'm trying to look at um, Nottingham Forest's results, not um, not the league results. Anyway, Forest have had a little bit of trouble hanging on to leads, seeing games out. Um, even though they're not in a relegation zone, they are slipping down and in that 15 range. You just you just don't want to get sucked in, and it can happen easily, <laughs> uh, especially if one of them go up, come up. So if, if say, Bournemouth start a run, someone has to get sucked into that zone, and you don't want to be that team uh, who gets sucked into that sort of uh, battle uh, there. Uh, let me just see what we've got the results here. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. So they lost. They beat Villa, which was a huge game at home. Lost Liverpool. The Luton game is the one I'm thinking of. They're away from home. Uh, uh, they're at home and they have Luton right where they want them and they're unable to pull it out. Uh, I think Brentford, they gave up a late goal. Uh, Burnley, they gave up a late goal that, that saved their ass. So they just have a little bit of a history of not holding on to games. And this uh, West Ham game is similar. Um, so there's that. And then the other game, Everton. Who knew Everton could score goals? They are having fun now under Sean Dyche. They grooved. They know who they are. Mikaleko scoring again two weeks in a row on the first minute. But then Eze scores it from the penalty spot. So the game is 1-1. Then Decore puts them up 2-1. But Edward levels it 2-2. It looks like it's going to be 2-2. And then the snake in the grass, Mr. Adrisa Gay, on like a give and go into the box. Beautiful stuff. Wall pass from Decore. Links back up with Adrisa Gay. And boom. Everton up 3-2 without a goal from a striker. That just doesn't happen. What an amazing game. Uh, yeah, Everton, really, really good. Their numbers say that they're good. Uh, it's shocking, I know. When you look at teams' underlying numbers, it shows that they're actually good. I know, I know. Doesn't that seem weird? Who knew? Uh, I know that people don't want to get into the nerd hole, but the nerd hole is real. The nerd hole knows. Everton up to 14th. Uh, nearly on a positive goal differential, right? They're on 14, 14 goals, four, 17 against. That is not what you'd expect. <laughs> you'd expect them to, um, to actually have a better defense than they do, but they do leapfrog uh, Fulham and 
uh, Nottingham Forest, and they are in 14th. Dropping, though, Crystal Palace. They had some good results early, but I think the injuries caught up with them, and now they kind of just got Eze back, and we're going to see where things are there. Things looking good around the league for sure. Now, I know I've been talking about it. I wet my whistle. Let us go through the table because we're going on an international break. Uh, I usually don't pod during international break time, so I won't be back until the week after. It'll be two weeks until I pod again. But this is where we stand after a third of the season. Yes, 12 games, about a third. City lead on 28 with a 20-goal difference. So they are the leaders in the clubhouse and winner on draws. Second is Liverpool on 27 with a 17-goal difference. Um, Liverpool and Arsenal are tied for the best defense in a division on 10 goals against. City were in that spot, but giving up four today really damaged their defense. Arsenal in third on a 16-goal difference on 27. So Liverpool and Arsenal tied on 27. Only one goal difference separating them. In fourth, we have Tottenham Hotspur, who uh, have a nine-goal difference. They've now started to concede goals more than they would have liked. Uh, their underlying numbers were not a team at this level, so this is probably more where they are. Then we have Aston Villa in fifth, uh, leading scores, just killing it, have had a couple of tough results where they gave up a lot of goals. So they're on 17, 12-goal difference. Uh, scoring loads. Uh, good players, Ollie Watkins, they have probably the best English striker in a division after, yep, in terms of, yep, I would say, after maybe Callum Wilson, um, Ollie Watkins, Kane, and, and yeah, Ollie Watkins is the best scorer in the group. Then uh, in sixth place, Man United, who are only have only scored 13 goals but have seven wins. Explain that to me. They have a bunch of three three one uh, nil wins. They're on minus three on 21 points. Behind them, this is the one that's the outlier, is Newcastle, who are on plus 14, but only have 20 points. That is on the back of the Villa game that they won 5-1 and the 8-0 that they beat Sheffield United. So a little bit of an underlying number. It looks better than it is, but they're not as good as you want them to be. And then we have uh, in eighth, Brighton and Hove Albion, four draws really holding them back. They're slipping in terms of where they are. In ninth, up to ninth is West Ham, minus one. They've had some couple of bad losses. Chelsea, like we said, underlying numbers good. 21 goals for, 16 against, at plus five, but in 10th place. Really, they should be up near Newcastle in seventh. They definitely, I would definitely swap Chelsea and United in terms of quality of their performances. Uh, no way United is the sixth best team in this division. Behind Chelsea, their West London friends from Brentford. On a plus two, they should be a little bit better. 4-4-4, uh, four, four, and four. same with Chelsea, 4-4-4. Four, four, and four. So this is really that mid-table zone where teams are coming up and down. Then the great and powerful Gary O'Neill's Wolverhampton Wilders in 12th, followed by Roy's Palace on 13th, and the rising Dyches, uh, Everton in 14th, uh, making up that group. So... You have Chelsea and Brentford both on 16, then Wolves and Palace on 15, Everton on 14, Forest on 13 and 15th place, Fulham in 16th 
on 12 points. And then you have a three-point gap between Bournemouth on nine, Luton in the relegation zone on six, Sheffield United and their draw on five, and Burnley and their 10 losses in 12 games in the foot of the table. My friend, Mr. Vincent Company, not having fun. They've lost five in a row. Um, it's not looking good. 4-1 to Chelsea, 3-0 to Brentford, 2-1 to Bournemouth. That's the one that hurts. 2-0 to Crystal Palace. They can't score. And then losing 3-1 to Burnley. Uh, Burnley need a striker. Where is Chris Wood when you need him? Where's that mobile striker? Um, their striker that they bought, Lyle Foster, Burnley, uh, has left the team for mental health issues. Interesting. Um, I mean, we support him, but why would you buy a player who has mental health issues when you don't have goals? I know that sounds harsh, but this is harsh. You don't want to go down. You need to find a way to get the wins. Okay. I'm done, folks. I've had it. I'm done with Match Week 12. Please thank you for anyone who's new. Please like, share, and subscribe. Join the show. Join Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. Join Top FC TV. We need you uh, on YouTube, on socials, everywhere you need to go. Uh, enjoy your football, and let me go out with my regular goodbye. That was the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Laurent Fortin. We are the Premier League wing of the Top Football Club TV on YouTube channel and presented exclusively by the Football Tonight podcast that Chris will be on tomorrow. We record on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple or Google or Spotify, please rate and review the show so that it helps us grow. Thank you, Seth, for having me on the other day. And thank everyone who's a first-time listener. Enjoy and thank you. See you tomorrow with Chris.